This is the Horse Radio Network. This is episode 73 of the Wisdom by Oisa show on the Horse Radio Network. This is Mike Donnell. I'm Casey Wilbanks Coletti. And this is Sophia Yagela. Welcome to Wisdom by Wessa on the Horse Radio Network. This podcast is brought to you by the Western and English Sales Association, WISA, which provides the world's largest trade events for retailers, manufacturers, and sales representatives of the equestrian industry. In this podcast, we feature exclusive interviews with noteworthy Western and English personalities, retailers, and exhibitors who you've always wanted to talk to. Don't miss out on all the news from manufacturers and retailers in the equine industry. The WISA August Trade Show has just wrapped up, and Sophia is here to share with us some of the highlights. So this was our first fall show at the DMC in Dallas, Texas, and also our first August trade show just in general. The fall shows were typically in September prior to this year and once in June, but it was a great success. Some of our exhibitors broke their trade show records and sold more than they even had before in January at one of our trade, um, January trade shows. We also had fun during the opening night reception and um, the get-together offsite at Gillies. And it just seemed like everyone was in good spirits and was looking forward to working again together. I've noticed that too, coming off of COVID and not saying we are out of COVID by all means, but um, the yeah. freedom everybody seems to be enjoying so much. Um, <laughs> nonetheless, what's coming up, Sophia? So members have already signed up to exhibit at the January 2022 Wessa Trade Show with their permanent showrooms on the 14th floor or requested space for a temporary booth on the 11th floor. And buyers can sign up now to attend the January Wessa Trade Show. And as mentioned, that will be our 100th anniversary. So for the first time in 100 years, we will mail a special early bird surprise to the first 100 retailers who sign up. So you really can't wait much longer. And remind them just one more time, where do retailers sign up? On westsidetradeshow.com, they can sign in and register. Or if they are new, they can apply right on there as well to become a Westside buyer to then attend the Westside Trade Show. And the Westside Trade Shows, again, are free. And we even offer some perks, for example, parking vouchers, a free lunch, and a free coat check. To say that Toby Lewis has had a long and interesting life is an understatement. He was introduced to the retail business in high school when he got a job selling clothes at J.C. Penney's. Soon after that, he found himself working in a feedlot, caring for 26,000 head of cattle, but returned to retailing with a Western wear store in Montana and then began his sales career and his WISA career. He joined WISA when it was still being held at the Albany Hotel and later moved to the Merchandise Mart. He served on the board for 25 years. He's now retired, and after retirement, he continues an active lifestyle into his 80s. He's a competitive bicycle racer. He's been skydiving, and he and his wife plan to celebrate their next anniversary by skydiving together. Tony's going to tell us about that. Hey, Toby, thanks so much for taking the time out of your very busy life to spend time with us on the Wisdom by WISA podcast. 
Well, it's my pleasure. I certainly do appreciate you giving me a call. Well, as anybody can tell by just listening to your voice for a few minutes, you've got a lot of energy, a lot of enthusiasm, uh, and you've done a lot in your life, including spending time with WISA. Um, I want to go back and cover a little bit of a couple things we covered before, and then we will focus a bit on your life with WISA. But you actually started out in the retail business as a sophomore in high school. Can you kind of take us there through your uh, uh, time? with uh, with pennies and then a cattle feeding operation and then a western wear store i mean it's really kind of an interesting story and a little later we're going to get back to what your plans are uh, over the next uh, couple of years uh, with your other activities well sounds good well mike uh, as you stated when i was about a sophomore in high school um I started working at J.C. Penney's, and the main reason is because when I was just a small child, my mother bought clothes at J.C. Penney's, and this was at uh, the number one store in Colorado at 16th and California, and during that time, I'd work part-time uh, in the summers, and then about my junior year in high school, I went through the the management program with J.C. Penney's. And uh, then by the time I finished that, I was managing the boys department there. Well, then things kind of, I went to college and, and uh, played a little baseball in college. And then way back when I was a kid, my uh, uncle was a professional cowboy and I used to kind of follow him around. And so I wanted to get back into rodeo and uh, a friend of my uncle's had a feedlot in Minotaur, Nebraska. And I went there to work with him and my wife and we just had our first child born and this feedlot was 26,000 head of cattle. and. I was in charge of the feeding operation there. And that amounted to about an 18-hour day. And after about a year, not quite a year, the cowboy boss, we kind of decided the hours were a little bit too much for us. And my wife had graduated from Colorado Women's College. And for her to be living on a feedlot with 26,000 head of cattle, that was quite an undertaking for her. So this John Carr, the cowboy boss, his brother-in-law had a Western store in Haver, Montana, uh, Norman's Ranchware, and his uh, manager had just left, and I thought, golly, maybe we can do something with that. I called Jack. We went up there, and I, I became the manager of the Western store, and that's kind of our our first step into the Western industry. Yeah, but somewhere in there, you also rodeoed. Oh yeah, yeah. I was rodeoing. I was a calf roper, and to be real honest, I'm not very big, and I could rope with anybody, and I could tie with anybody, but 
most of the time the Cavs were much tougher than I was. And so my times, my competitors were always pleased to see Toby show up because they knew his entry fees were going to go in their pocket <laughs> and not mine. <laughs> but well, in that, your it, defense, back then they used to row really, really large cabs. Well, it it it's a it was a great way, and then as I was telling Mike, we had a daughter that we went down the rodeo trail with her little britches in high school and she won 29 trophy saddles over the years and it was uh you know pretty it, it made me feel good because she was a much better hand than than i was but i was a pretty good coach well it sounds like you probably were so after all of this then you found Wisa, or Wisa found you at the Albany Hotel. Chat now a little bit about your history with Wisa. Well, what it amounts to in about 1966, I went, it was the Men's Apparel Club was the market at the Albany Hotel. And uh, that was my first year going to that market. And kind of a sidebar, I am looking at uh, a magazine, Horse Lovers, from 1956. And in there's an article in there, and the heading of the article, Rodeo Styles and Western Wear. And on January 9th in 1956, a group met, of uh, a group of Western retailers and manufacturers met at the Albany Hotel at that market and the National Western Wear Council, whose sole purpose is to promote Western wearing apparel, was formed. And that was on January 9th. On January 10th, they met again and the committee and the officers and directors were voted on. And Mrs. William Loeffler of the Denver Dry Goods Company of Denver, Colorado, was unanimously elected president of the National Western Wear. Mr. Jack Wilde of Rock Mount Manufacturing Company of Denver was vice president. The new secretary was Jerry Rosenthal of the Working Man's Store in San Jose, California. And Mr. Marvin Kahn of the Acme Boot Company was elected treasurer. And they were meeting and at the National Western Wear Council at the Albany Hotel, Denver, Colorado. And to become a member, the annual dues of $2 was voted upon by the members. And the last sentence in this article was, Western wear is the only true American mode of dress. And so I thought that was kind of interesting to see. That would have been kind of the start of the Western uh, industry in the men's apparel club of the, the, the Denver market. And, and basically, in... Let's say it would have been a 67. I went on the road with American Hat Company and the Potts Longhorn Leather Company. 
And we drove down to Houston, Texas, and Dallas. But in Houston, I went down to visit with Bubba Silver, who owned the American Hat Company, and his father founded the company in 1915. And Bubba said, Toby, we'd love to have you. And I would be the first salesman in the Rocky Mountain area. But he said, Toby, you're going to starve to death. And you know, he came close to telling me the truth right there. <laughs> we came up with a, a, a new straw hat that you could crease without steam or anything. And that hat sold for $39 a dozen. And I opened up many accounts with a half a dozen order of straws for $19.50. Now, at 8% as a commission salesman, hmm, it doesn't make it too difficult to figure out my commission on that. And to think that I was so pleased with selling that half dozen straw hats that I knew the next time around it would be a dozen. And that's that was kind of my first trip with uh, the Western industry. So then when did you get involved in WISA or the predecessor, the club and then WISA well, and on in? Because I think you told me you were uh, on the board for many, many years. I was on the WISA board for 25 years. And what it amounted to, I, you know, I'd like, it was in the early 70s when I first went on the board there. And at that time, I was traveling for the Tony Lama Boot Company. As a matter of fact, I had the first permanent room at the Merchandise Mart uh, with Tony Lama. But at that time, it, well, I was at the first show at the Merchandise Mart, and I had a room up on the fourth floor in the northeast corner, and um, <clears throat> we were amazed at the size of the Merchandise Mart. The expo hall wasn't there. The pavilion wasn't there. It was a four-story main building, and uh it it was it was quite an experience, and like I said, I was on the board during that period of time. As a matter of fact, I was on the board uh, when they built the expo hall, and I was on the board when they bought the pavilion. And so, I, I spent a lot of years through the growth of of Wessa in 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 the market. Well, it sounds like you did, and um, I also understand maybe it was partly your idea to do some of the, the concerts and the entertainment there as well? You know, uh, I, fortunately, I was a part of that, and, and you know, we were, one of the main ones that came along, he was a new guy, and um, we had him under contract, and and during that period of time, he won about every award possible in country music. And we had him uh, perform at the Grizzly Rose. And let's see, what was his name? Oh, Garth Brooks. You might have heard of him. <laughs> and my wife and I, we danced to the dance, looking up at Garth Brooks at about five feet from us. And, uh, you know, that 
we cherish the memories of that. And but at the same time, we had Tracy Lawrence two times. We had Tracy Bird. We had Clay Walker. We had Ricochet. We had many, many, um, you know, country stars that performed for us at the market. Well, it sounds like you realized that a little entertainment and a little fun mixed well with business. Oh, uh, it. I mean, you know, people were that were the buyers coming in. A lot of them said, "We're only here to see the concert," and and that's not true. But you know, they appreciated it, and it certainly was a highlight of the markets. Well, I think it was uh, a great a great career you had with Lisa. Uh, the association clearly benefited from it. The interesting thing is, as you retired and when you retired from the road, you still found a way to be active. I was talking to Casey uh, a little bit about some of the things you're involved with, and she was intrigued. I'll let her uh, chat <laughs> with you about what all the things you're doing now. Well, it's kind of like sure. Mike said. It, it doesn't take long to talk to you to hear that you are just full of zest. And I would find it hard to believe there was anything in life that you um, have not succeeded at. And cliche question, but what's the secret to success? You know, uh, kind of a sidebar to while I was traveling and part of WESA, I was uh, – president of our chamber of commerce for five years. I served on the board of a big event we have here in Torrington, two shot goose hunt and art show. My wife and I, we served on that committee for 19 years. And then I was an interim uh, rodeo coach here at Eastern Wyoming college for one year. And I, I I like to be involved in a lot of things, and and since I've retired, uh, I've certainly well even before I retired in the the 80s, I started racing bicycles, and for about five years, I I went to a, during the summer about every weekend went to a bike race somewhere, and now I compete in the 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 senior games in a number of states. And just by kind of a sidebar, I, in 1988, when I was 51 years old, I set the record for the 25-mile road race, which was 53 minutes and 37 seconds. <laughs> and, you know, I I enjoy doing that now. And I, I've kind of got a situation. I'd like to be racing bicycles when I hit 90 years old. and. The, in June 5th this past year, uh, I've had it on the bucket list, but I went tandem skydiving in down in Longmont, Colorado. And next year, on June 25th, will, which will be my wife's 80th birthday, and next year I will be 85, and next year we will be married 60 years we're both going to tandem jump on June 25th. So we're pretty active individuals. Oh, my goodness. What What is it? What keeps you motivated? You, um, life in itself. I mean, you got to be doing some things. It, it, there's so many things to do. And uh, we've got a big garden. We have a big yard. And 
since I'm retired, I really enjoy working out there. And I, I, as a matter of fact, when I go into my training program, uh, I work out down at the fitness center every morning, five days a week. And I feel that you have to do that. Uh, sitting in the, the, the rocker and, and wondering what to do. That that's not our lifestyle. My wife is just as busy as I am busier as a matter of fact. So <laughs> it's just the way we were made up. Sure. Well, you both sound like a dynamic couple and um, you are actually wrapping up our um, feature of past presidents of WITSA. And I think Mike would probably agree with me. Um, there's one thing that you all have in common, and I believe that it's Weiss is very fortunate to have had each and every one of you very, very interesting personalities, very unique motivation and zest for life in, in all of you in different ways. Um, but without a doubt, Weiss is still going today in 2021 and no plan on stopping. And you were an instrumental part uh, of, of that and, and creating the future of Weiss. Well, I certainly appreciate that. It, uh, we, my wife and I both look back on the, uh, the things that we did with WESA. It, it couldn't have been done any better. We, we spent many great times going to Washington, D.C., San Antonio, just doing a lot of things that, uh, you know, we were trying to help the industry, and the industry was helping us. I, one one question. Let's go back. You were selling uh, 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 half a dozen hats at a time as you were on the road back then. By the time you quit, you had a lot of other kinds of lines. What were the major changes that you saw in the industry from the time you were selling uh, a dozen hats to the time that you finally uh, left the business to retire and ride bikes and jump out of planes? Well, Mike, really, probably one of the biggest things that happened to our Western industry was the urban cowboy craze. <clears throat> and the year of that at that market, I was with American Hat at that time. And naturally, during my markets, I would set up appointments with my buyers. But during that market, I had people lined up out in the hall waiting to get in to buy hats and kind of an interesting factor i had m and f uh, accessories and they're still in business and the amount of hat bands feather hat bands that i sold at that market my commission from that paid for my market expense unbelievable the only thing about it when that urban cowboy thing dropped we lost tons of business but the regular uh western stores had grown <clears throat> so much that it was great and and then now towards the end of my time traveling the thing that has taken over is technology, your computer. Uh, I never used one in my my business, but that was a big factor. And I think it's a big factor today that um, 
when when I started traveling, my whole career, my income was totally by commission. My sales is what generated my income. There was no check sent to me monthly that I could depend on. I had to make that money. That has changed dramatically today. Uh, I don't think you could have find a 25-year-old kid that would go out and make a sale and, and make about 80 cents on a sale and continue traveling. But I lived on 15-cent McDonald hamburgers for quite a while. And, you know, that those are some of the major changes, Mike. Well, and I think those are interesting to talk about. Um, I hadn't heard, although we've talked, it, it sounds logical. I hadn't really heard the impact of that movie uh, on the Western wear, uh, world before, but clearly it makes a lot of sense. Uh, most people we talk to acknowledge the, in, uh, the influx of technology uh, in the way sure. the business is done. Um, but the Western wear styles and trends, the role of Western wear continues to be strong um, as part of uh, sometimes it's everybody's complete wardrobe and sometimes it's a potential wardrobe in the closet when they want to pull it out. But either way it goes, it speaks well for the, the future of the industry. And we know the industry is in good hands, but it's been a lot of fun to talk to guys like you who got it to where it is. And it's really been fun talking to you about what you plan on doing in the next couple of years. I admire you running, riding bikes and jumping out of planes, and you'll probably find some other things to do uh, if you put your mind to it. Well, we got to stay active. There's no way about it. Other way about it, Mike. It's uh, <clears throat> and that implies to you and everybody else that uh, stay active and enjoy life. Well, listen, we appreciate you taking the time to join us on the Wisdom by Wisa podcast, and we wish you and your wife uh, a happy future and especially success in your plans to celebrate your birthdays and anniversaries coming out of that plane. Hey, thanks, Mike. I do appreciate uh, you giving me a call, and we're able to visit about this. It's been fun. Thanks so much. The show notes and links from today's show can be found at wisdombywisa.com. And, of course, we'd love to hear your feedback. There's a contact link on that website. The Wisdom by Wisa show will be published on the 15th and 30th of every month. You can listen on most of your favorite podcast players, and you can also listen on the Horse Radio Network app on your iOS or Android phone. You just search Horse Radio Network in the App Store. It's free, and it's super easy to use. Be sure to visit all the great shows on the Horse Radio Network at horseradionetwork.com. Thanks for listening to the Wisdom by Wisa podcast. Wisa, where the industry meets.